Well, if you guys woke up this morning thinking that you had a hankering to listen to a good lumber podcast, you guys are in for a treat because I am serving that up today with a fantastic economist named Dustin Jalbert out of the Fast Markets team. Dustin actually is responsible for the monthly lumber commentary and for the North American Lumber 5 and 15 year forecasts. Uh, He also runs consulting engagements related to their North American lumber markets. And if you can't yet see where this is going, well, obviously, uh, Dustin and I talk about where we are right now, the situation that's unfolding in the markets, why it happened, and Dustin may, I'm not going to give it away, you're going to have to listen, but he may leave us with some hope and optimism at the end of this when I ask him for uh, his best guess. So short podcast, but highly informative, especially given our current situation. You guys check it out. Dustin, let's start off with just like an overview of the lumber market, kind of lumber 101 for all of us who don't really understand the inner workings of the industry. So even as basic as maybe kind of like uh, the life cycle from a tree all the way to, you know, the shelf where it ends up in the lumber yard, like what are the steps, what are the processes and who are the players along that path if you can enlighten us? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think, you know, what probably makes sense, Jared, we can start at, at sort of the timber and the log level and kind of work our way downstream, you know, through the sawmill level and then so, sort of through wholesale distribution and at the retail level. And, you know, I, I focus more at that sawmill level. So I'll probably talk in a little bit more detail there. Um, but, you know, when you think about lumber, it, it all starts with the logs, right? Uh, so when you think about the, the time span, the life cycle of that product, it, to, to grow a saw log, it, it, it depends on the region you're talking about. But if, if you're looking at, say, the Pacific Northwest for a Doug fir or uh, SPF, which comes out of Canada, you know, two common species used for, for softwood framing lumber, you know, the, the time to grow that to, to a saw log diameter is anywhere from 40 to, to 60 years. So, you know, you're talking half a century of planning here, right? <laughs> so, you know, this is sort of a continuous process. There's, there's all kinds of age classes of trees always constantly in growth, right? So, so there's a level of availability over time. Uh, but, but that's kind of an important thing to think about when, when you think about how that, uh, the time it takes to sort of grow that, that log to be ready to be processed into a stick of lumber. Um, and so, when you look at, so again, those kind of more Northern species take more time. If you're thinking about Southern yellow pine, uh, the growing cycles are quicker. You're talking, you know, maybe to, again, to get to a saw log level, um, probably something between 25 and 35 years. Uh, so not quite as long, quicker growing cycle than again, let's say a Doug fir or SPF, uh, but still that takes time, right? To, to sort of grow that tree. Um, and then, you know, Obviously, you know, those are harvested, you know, so the, the timber is felled and, and cut into logs. 
they're hauled to the, the the sawmill or the panel mill, or depending on you know what the application is, uh, how it's going to be converted. But I'll I'll talk mostly in terms of lumber because that's really sort of in my wheelhouse of expertise. Um, so when we look at sawmills in North America, right? Um, there's you know a lot of production all over North America, uh, you know, but the main sort of producing regions for softwood lumber. Are, are the U.S. South, which you know, as I mentioned, that's where you know pretty much all southern yellow pine for the softwood resource there. Uh, the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of wood products production as well, and that's sort of a mix of fir, cedar, redwood. Uh, you know, with with Doug fir, you know, Douglas fir being kind of the probably the most prominent species used for lumber, right, uh, for framing purposes. Uh, and then you have Canada, and you know what comes out of Canada. Uh, is, is primarily referred to as SPF, which is sort of a mixture mixture of spruce, pine, fir, which all have kind of similar construction properties. Uh, so they're kind of bunched into this, this one under, under sort of overarching name. Uh, and a lot of that production comes in British Columbia, Alberta, um, Ontario, and Quebec. Uh, and there's production elsewhere in North America, but that really is kind of where pretty much all the supply that gets consumed in the U.S. comes from, and just you know, to attach some numbers to it, uh, you know, U.S. demand for lumber in 2020, uh, in terms of total volume, was was 52 billion board feet. Uh, and so, you know, when you break that down, where it comes from, anywhere between a quarter and a third of, of what you know is consumed in the U.S. comes from Canada. So, Canada is a, a critical supplying region, especially for that SPF material. And as you know, that that's really a, a core uh, sort of species, sort of grade of lumber that's used for framing a house. So uh, that's kind of an important piece there. And then most of you know the, the rest of what's consumed, you know, for the housing market in, in North America and in, in the U.S. specifically here, you know, a lot of that comes from the domestic market, so from the South or the Pacific Northwest. And there's a small amount of imports uh, that come in from offshore. Uh, you know, from Central Europe, from South America, places like that. Um, so that's kind of the, the kind of the industry structure at a really high level. And then obviously once, you know, once that, that log is processed through the sawmill, you know, it's cut, it's, it's planed, goes through, you know, a kiln, kiln drying process in a lot of, in, in most cases, uh, you know, then it's ready to be delivered out into the market, right? And how sawmills go to market, it really varies quite a bit, actually. Um, some might sell to a wholesaler or distributor, um, you know, some, some kind of favor that route to market. And then, the, you know, that, that, you know, sort of middleman will sell it to a pro dealer or, you know, to some other, you know, part of the, the retail supply, uh, part of the, of the supply chain. Um, some like to sell to home centers like Home Depot or Lowe's. Uh, so some kind of have these, you know, sort of fixed contract relationships with, with some of these uh some of these retailers that, you know, tend to lean towards more your DIYer, uh, you know, so, you know, there's some that sell to buyer groups that represent sort of mom and pop sort of yards. Uh, so it really varies how the sawmills, the major players go to market. Um, but that's, you know, kind of at a high level uh, where the lumber goes. And then obviously, you know, at the end of the, the, the sort of the, you know, further downstream at retail, obviously for when you're talking about, uh, you know, builders, uh, you know, home builders, or, you know, sort of big professional contractors like yourself, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of those folks buy from a, you know, sort of a, a, a pro dealer or a bigger yard. Right. Uh, but then, you know, there's a lot of supply and a lot of volume that goes through the home centers too. So um, that's kind of just at a very high level, kind of the way the industry looks. You mentioned something that really stuck out to me and something I didn't know, I guess, and a lot of other builders aren't aware of this as well, but 40 to 60 years for uh, a tree to mature and produce saw logs. And uh, to me, that kind of uh, brings up an existential question. I mean, is anyone expecting from like a, you know, a structural standpoint? So like a macro standpoint that with our current projected growth rates and construction rates that we're going to hit any sort of shortage at any point in the next, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years? Well, you know, I think when you look at sort of North America as a whole, you know, I, I think there's there's probably enough timber available to, to, to meet that demand. To your point, I mean, obviously we've got strong demographics, you know, that, that point to a very solid picture for housing going forward, right. For the next decade or so. Um, so, you know, to your point, demand, the, the demand arrow is pointing up, right. Um, so the, the way that kind of the timber availability breaks down though, right. It's quite regional. So, you know, when you look at the South, there's a glut of logs that, that are available in that market. Um, you know, there were a lot of plantings in the eighties on sort of agricultural land, and, uh, you know, what happened is, um, you know, those trees have grown to maturity, but a lot, you know, the, a lot of those, them grew to maturity, right. During the, the sort of the, the, the housing, you know, boom and bust, right. In from 2005 to 2009. So, you know, demand for lumber really collapsed and a lot of sawmills closed, but in North America, probably about 20% of the industry's capacity was shut, uh, because of the, the housing bust. Um, so, you know, you think about those logs weren't, weren't, weren't utilized. They're sitting on the stump. And so, you know, timber prices are very suppressed in the South. Uh, so, you know, there's a, a ton of availability there and we're seeing a lot of sawmills being invested in, in the South to, to, to take advantage of that, especially at these lumber prices, right? Uh, extremely attractive situation. Now it, it, it's very different when you talk about sort of the Pacific Northwest in Canada. Um, I'll talk about, uh, British Columbia specifically, um, just because the the timber situation there is is quite serious in terms of the scarcity. And what's happened there, um, there's actually been an ongoing beetle kill uh, that it's sort of a multi-decade process. Uh, And this beetle kill uh, sort of, again, began sort of in the early 2000s and and ramped up. And what happens is when the beetles attack the logs, um, you know, once the logs are impacted, if they're not sort of cut and processed within a year or two, they, they no longer become valuable. You can't use them for lumber. So, you know, the, 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 the province of British Columbia, basically a lot of the, the timber is sort of on, on crown sort of, uh, sort of land. So it's the, sort of the, 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 the government's land that the, the, the timber is sort of processed from and leads to the, the, the wood products company. So they accelerated um, they're harvesting to sort of get ahead of this and try to salvage the timber. Uh, so they've done this over the past sort of decade and a half, two decades, but now we're kind of at the end of the cycle where most of the salvageable timber has been used. Um, and as we talked about, 
um, you know, there's kind of this 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 gap in saw log availability uh, and and fiber availability in that market in general. So you actually saw a lot of mills close when when lumber prices were weak in 2019 uh, in Canada, in in Western Canada specifically in, in British Columbia. Um, so it's it's been uh, it, it is a factor for the industry where those logs come from. Uh, and so what what you're seeing is the industry is having to sort of shift its 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 focus on where it gets that fiber from, and it's coming from the south. Um, the other thing too, these wildfires that you you know you've seen sort of get worse and worse and worse over the years. That that also is aggravating uh, some of those those timber supply issues out in British Columbia. You're also seeing that in the Pacific Northwest too. Um, you know, and, and the Pacific Northwest is also a market where log availability is constrained. There used to be a lot more logging on state and federal lands that's been heavily sort of curtailed over the last few decades. Um, so that's a pretty tight log basket too. So um, kind of in the short term, it, it makes log availability challenging if you're going to make lumber. Uh, and uh, but you know, over the medium to longer term, there's definitely supply in the south. The south, it's just finding a way to make sure the industry adapts to using southern yellow pine, which is just a very different material than an SPF or a Doug fir. Sure. Okay. Well, that's a great overview. And I want to now turn the conversation to get a little bit more practical for our audience. So let's talk about our current situation. You know, obviously, um, a lot has transpired over the last year. My question to you is, what exactly has happened in the lumber markets that has gotten us to our current situation where we've got such a heavy spike in prices? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is just unprecedented, the, these price levels, right, Jared? It's, uh, you know, looking at uh, our sort of partners at Random Lengths, uh, they're Random Lengths, for those who don't know, uh, they're, they're sort of the, the gold standard on price reporting uh, for, for wood products, sort of commodities. Um, their framing lumber composite price uh, as of this week was nearly hit $1,300 per thousand board feet, which compared to 12 months ago or 52 weeks ago last year, same time last year, um, that compares with about $350 per thousand board feet. So we're up, you know, about 260, 270% in, in the span of 52 weeks. Uh, so, you know, lumber is, is almost sort of, you know, we're, we're getting up to, you know, quadrupling in price here pretty soon, which is uh, kind of, in some sense absurd, right? And I'm sure as the folks who are listening here as, as sort of using this material and building with this, this, with this material asking, okay, what the heck is going on? I think, you know, at its core is, you know, I think the industry was caught gar off guard with how strong demand sort of rebounded early in the pandemic. And, and so when you kind of break it down over the chronology of, of, of the sort of situation here with the pandemic, there's, there's some sort of short-term factors and long-term factors at play. I'll kind of focus on the short-term factors um, first related in most of those kind of relate to the pandemic. Um, you know, we started off the year really strong, uh, even pre sort of COVID, you know, sort of early in the year, it looked like demand was going to do really well. Uh, you know, housing starts were strong, remodeling was strong, interest rates were, had been lowered. Um, so the industry was kind of prepped for a really good year. And then obviously the pandemic hit in, in sort of March, 
And uh, we had all these economic ramifications, right, that came with it. Uh, you know, whole swaths of the, you know, the economy shut down, um, you know, particularly on the service side of the, the, the economy. Uh, you know, at one point, over 20 million people unemployed. And, you know, the sawmills and panel mills saw this and they sort of had flashbacks going back to 2005, you know, between 2005, 2009, when, again, the, the sort of the, the housing market bust and, you know, a lot of sort of sawmills closed. So uh, their, initial their initial response to the crisis was to curtail heavily, uh, you know, so they, they stopped producing in April and May. Uh, and so you saw a, a tremendous amount of sort of production reduced in the market. Uh, with the anticipation that demand was going to fall as well. And when it comes down to it, we just did not see demand fall, right? <laughs> the opposite happened. Uh, you, you know, you saw demand surge. And, and kind of on top of that, too, a lot of wholesalers and distribu distributors dumped their inventory thinking, you know, prices were going to collapse and they didn't want to be caught with this sort of uh, wood, you know, wood you know, on the ground. So they, they, again, they dumped that onto the market. Uh, and this, you know, produced a situation where distribution was very, very lean with wood, and again, demand surged. And you know, I won't go too much into the depth, you know, into depth on what dro drove the demand surge, but it's pretty clear that we had a huge remodeling boom, uh, particularly for sort of DIY sort of activities. You know, sort of demand for lumber. Think about like decking and fencing, and you know, people were fixing up their sheds and things that, you know, activities you didn't necessarily need maybe a contractor to have at home if you were concerned about the impact of the pandemic. And then it very quickly transitioned into a boom in new construction too. You, you saw housing starts, you know, initially took a little bit of a hit in April and May, but things surged, right? Uh, people were, you know, home buying didn't stop. The resale market uh, for, for, for homes is, you know, inventory is historically low. Interest rates dropped. And uh, there's just a demand for space, right? People were working from home, kids working remotely, uh, you know, learning remotely. So uh, demand for housing surged. And when you think about softwood lumber, you know, 75% of demand for softwood lumber goes into residential construction, whether that be new construction or uh, sort of repair and remodeling activity. So demand surged while production was cut. So that just kind of set set the tone for the rest of the year and, and the type of pricing volatility that we've seen in the market. So that is sort of the short-term kind of impact uh, that that we've seen. There's other sort of long-term impacts at play, but um, you know, just to, to kind of quantify things, how lean distribution is, normally wholesalers and distributors start the year, you know, somewhere between 30 to, you know, excuse me, between 45 and 60 days of supply for inventory. Uh, we probably started 2021 with about 25 to 30 days of supply. So, you know, inventory and distribution is extremely lean. So while demand is strong, you know, there's just, there's just no wood sort of close to the, the end users. And, and so prices are just being bid up very rapidly. Um, the, the last thing I'll just add too, is you know pretty quickly the mills figured out after initially curtailing that demand hadn't dropped off so you know they restarted their operations fairly quickly but it you know it doesn't it's not a flip of a switch right to sort of you know get people back into the the mills get logging operations going uh you know all that um so it, it's taken time for production to sort of ramp up um but it's 
you know, what we've seen is the mills are having a hard time getting people back into, uh, into the operations. Uh, when you look at wood products employment, uh, we're still down 2% in the U.S. from pre-COVID levels back in February 2020. And this is in a, a demand environment where you know we've we've grown tremendously. We've had this positive level shift. So the mills, right when they need to add shifts to you know potentially add overtime to to kind of have some surge capacity to meet demand, they they can't do it. They're lucky if they have a two shift operation working you know consistently. And then on top of that, you've had sort of positive cases at the mills. People have been, had to be sent home. Uh, so, you know, quarantine, make sure that they're okay before they come back to work to prevent spread on site. So that is also, you know, preventing production from ramping up. So, you know, and, and just on top of that, the whole supply chain is is kind of a mess right now. Trucking is as tight as it's ever been. So delivering the wood from the yards to, um, you know, the, the sort of the, the builders or from the sawmill to the yards, it's just, it's just been a perfect storm in terms of a supply crunch met with this demand surge. Yeah, that's exactly what was crossing my mind. I mean, it, it is a perfect storm between <laughs> supply constraints and demand that's just gone through the roof. And obviously, we all know what price does when that happens. Right. You actually posted something today. JC shared with me this morning this um, LinkedIn post. And we print it out and I'm looking at it right now and you're showing these different Google search terms. And I mean, it's very telling, you know, the home remodeling search terms over the last few years. I mean, especially it really spiked in 2020. You can see it right there on your chart that um, that just uh, it went up like exponentially. And I can tell you anecdotally from our business, I mean, we've seen the. Uh, we've seen the surge in demand here. Now, I think we've got a little bit of some, uh, we're a little bit of a microcosm because there's a lot of people moving into Austin. But again, anecdotally, I can see what's happening. And uh, uh, it's the most, it's, it's the most impressive thing that I think I've seen uh, in my almost 15 years building. Now we have uh, a client who we had to go back with, they had a $90,000 lumber budget uh, and we had to go back because it's doubled since august when we bid it and um luckily these uh these clients were okay with it and they can afford this ninety thousand dollar increase in their budget but the thing hmm. that is so um interesting to me is all right there's so much people are continuing to buy obviously and support these outrageous prices and clients like these that I just referenced there, uh, they're w willing and able to go spend this extra money because of this lumber situation. So we're seeing major inelasticity of, of demand, meaning, you know, people are still buying even despite these rising prices, but there has to be like, there has to be some sort of inflection point. So I don't know where it is at what point does lumber peak to where it really does curtail demand. Do you guys have any models or opinions on that? Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's a good question. I mean, certainly it's, it's something that, that we're always trying to forecast and it's sort of the, the business we're in, but it's, you know, to be frank, it's been an incredibly difficult market to predict. And to your point, 
one of the reasons is this kind of insensitivity to price that we're seeing. You know, normally when you see prices rise for 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 lumber, you know, there's there's usually an impact on the margin, whether it be it, you know, it crimps the the builders' margins if you know if if they're trying to absorb it, and so they they cut back on sort of projects or things. You know, sort of projects go into the red, or you know, if if the builder or contractor tries to pass it on to you know the the you know the the final sort of the the home buyer or whoever's sort of ultimately paying for the the job, um, you know, people will walk away from the projects, right? If they say, well, okay, we have a budget, and you know, this is this is beyond our budget. To your point, you know, I think what surprised us the most is that people are just, you know, uncompromising in their in 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 wanting to go forward with these projects. And, you know, I think in the short term, I, I don't think it's going to really cool that much. I, I think, you know, when you start talking about where where prices are going to go, I think through the summer we're we're into the the busy seasonal demand period here um, for for new construction and for uh, remodeling, as you well know. Um, so, you know, and the supply side issues we've talked about haven't been resolved yet. So, you know, I think what's driving this kind of uh, persistent demand, even at these price levels, I think there's a couple factors. I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, and this is kind of one of the long-term factors that is keeping prices elevated for, for lumber. I mean, there's, there's solid demographics uh, in the, for the housing market. I think a lot of people uh, especially young sort of affluent millennials who are maybe living in urban areas, you know, urban cores, you know, pandemic hit. And, you know, maybe they were planning to sort of make that move to be a homeowner, either, you know, moving out of their condo or, or stop renting and, and sort of buy a home a few years down the road, the pandemic hit. And they said, well, no, I'm, we're moving. We're, we're doing this now. Um, you know, the cities are effectively shut down um, and we want that space, especially if they were working from home, Maybe their employer gave them the soft nod saying, hey, this is going to be sort of a, a semi-permanent to permanent thing, uh, knowing that they weren't going to have to be in the office every day. So I think that comes into play. Um, you know, I, so I, I think that's, that's a huge factor. And you know, let's be honest, even with the price appreciation too, we've seen the drop in interest rates, you know, especially if you're, if you're a home buyer, uh, has really made it so that... Um, you know, you can roll that, that cost into that 30-year fixed mortgage and still have a very competitive monthly payment, right? Um, so, you know, I think I think um, those factors are, are making people uh, sort of, you know, they're ready to pull the trigger. Uh, and I think the last thing too I'd mention is, you know, especially on the remodeling side, you know, home additions and, you know, sort of these, these big home improvement projects we're seeing, there's just no resale inventory to trade up into right now, right? So, Maybe you know. Maybe you're not ready for a new home, or there's there's not a lot of availability even for new homes in your market. You know the resale market is scarce. So for some people, the path of least resistance, if if they need to add a, a room, uh, you know, if they've got a, they need a home office now, it's to to add on to that existing home, especially when home equity has been boosted with you know 20 percent home price appreciation year over year. Um, it's just you know that that demand. I think is unrelenting for some sort of combination of those reasons. So I think in the short term, it's going to be hard for prices to correct under those conditions, uh, you know, at least for lumber anyway. Well, that segues into my last question for you, which is, I realize there is, <laughs> as an economist, you get asked this all the time, a little upside and you actually ask in this, but I, you know, uh, 
I got to ask you anyway, where do we go from here? What's your, do you have any sort of pricing forecast about what you expect and when? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And, you know, it's, it's, I feel like the forecast is always evolving here with how volatile the markets are. Um, sure. You know, just historic, you know, just unprecedented, right? The, the level of volatility. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think into the summer months, just given, you know, seasonal demand is picking up. The supply side is, is getting better. We're seeing production pick up and, and some of the maybe the, the COVID related labor constraints, at least at the mill level, starting to subside. Um, you know, so so that will will kind of flow into the second half of the year. I think once you know demand seasonally rolls over here for you know the construction season starts to head into sort of the fall and winter months, I think that'll give an opportunity for for lumber prices to start to correct. You know, pretty pretty sharply, frankly. You know, we we don't think, you know, plus a thousand dollar wood is the is the future. I mean, that a lot of this is a reflection of disruptions in the supply chain and some of these short term demand and supply shocks we're seeing. So I think you know, in this either in the second half of this year or maybe into early twenty twenty two, you'll see a pretty big correction in 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 prices. And I do think too. More at kind of a, a cyclical level, you know. I think some of this this almost insatiable demand for for housing will cool. You know, I think interest rates will probably pop up, mortgage rates will, will tick up. You know, to your point earlier, you know, I, I think there there will be a pain point uh, between home prices appreciating, these project costs going up, where people decide to sort of you know step away uh, and say, you know what, we're going to wait. Um, I think that does come into play. And, and also this sort of the, the service side of the, the economy reopening too will have a cooling effect on demand. You know, people will be spending less time at home. They'll pivot more of their disposable income to the service side of the economy, you know, maybe into 2022. So I think, you know, that that cooling in demand and some some in, continued improvements on the supply side will give time for for prices to correct. But you know, I, I, I would, you know, I think listeners should probably realize that, you know, we don't think that we're, we're going back to sort of the, the historical prices that we saw over the last five to 10 years. We'll still probably be, you know, even once we, we sort of, you know, shake out some of these disruptions, we'll probably still be much higher than, than we've been in the past for, for lumber and, and sort of structural panels. But, you know, again, we don't think these, you know, $1,000, $1,500 per thousand, you know, board foot wood prices, we don't think that'll be sustained once we get through some of these supply disruptions. So. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up on a little good news, which. Yeah. Good news, is, bad news, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Dustin, this has been really helpful, really great. I appreciate your expertise. Before we go, let us know where online we can find you yeah sure um so if you want to follow me on twitter uh you can you can follow me at two by forecaster so two x forecaster um that's uh so i'm on twitter so if you want to follow me there feel free uh and i'm also available on linkedin and places like that so feel free to reach out if you have any questions awesome dustin thank you very much thanks jared mm-hmm.